This is a shock podcast. Hello and welcome to the Podball Sportscast, the podcast that has two nominations for the Shock Podcast Awards. Woo! Self-promotion. Oh, not yes. one, but two. There you go. Two. Today, we have award nominee Nicholas John. Hello, hello. He's up for Best Picture because just like a picture, he's two-dimensional. Also, uh, award nominee Karami Kamil. What's happening, guys? He's up for the Golden Goreng Prize. If you've listened to our past podcast, <laughs> you know what it's all about. I am Faisal American. Podball was nominated in spite of all these weird intros and stupid jokes. Uh, today, we have a very special, special, special guest. Special times three. Introducing Michelle from Astro Supersport. How are you? I am good. I'm very good. I'm very honoured to be uh, alongside such well-nominated people. <laughs> I've never been nominated for anything, by the way. So, you know, just a little bit, just a bit of a heads up that um, in terms of the tier of success, I'm right at the bottom. So Your time. Welcome. <laughs> uh, Mifzal Male is not here, unfortunately. He's been banned for slapping Chris Rock live on air. Mm. Does he feel betrayed? <laughs> now, the uh, countdown to the World Cup is well underway. 32 teams competing in the biggest, most prestigious uh, trophy in football uh, played for the very first time in November and December because of... Now, this is the part where I just uh, put in some static. (laughs) (laughs) Just to get around the controversy. Let's just put it weather for weather's sake. Weather's sake, you know. Yeah, Yeah, and and that is why um, it's being held in Qatar in uh, November and December. Now, um, let's take a look at uh, some of the uh, notable groups. Uh, Let's start with the host nation. Qatar are in Group A alongside uh, Netherlands, Senegal and Ecuador. Uh, Netherlands, barring a complete disaster, they are the favourites to go through. Meanwhile, Qatar are hoping they can avoid emulating South Africa in 2010 and uh, maybe not crash out of the group stage. (laughs) Well, under Louis van Gaal, you know, you'd hope that it's going to be a better... Tournament for Netherlands this time. I mean, they're a team that's always so-called underachieved, kind of, <laughs> when you look at the stars that they have. But obviously, under Frank de Boer, they weren't too happy uh, playing under the Boer style. I mean, we remember, I think the Euros last last year when we were covering it, the biggest controversy, when people flew airplanes over the training ground when Netherlands were having training, say, play blah, 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 total mm-hmm. football, right? Don't play the Frank de Boer style. I was just thinking to myself, these Netherlands fans, are. Uh, have a lot of money <laughs> to fly planes every single match and every single training session to tell Frank De Boer how to play the team. But no, I think under Louis Van Gaal, there's a, there's a shift in sort of um, the dynamic as well and the confidence. Um, obviously, Louis Van Gaal was responsible for some of Netherlands' most successful performances in recent years. So maybe that feel-good factor is back. We don't know. So, you know, we wish Netherlands all the best. Pretty easy group for them, I think. Yeah. I think it's pretty easy, but... Um... I think Louis van Gaal loves to play three at the back, right? Mm. And I'm not sure whether... Of course, they did well in the in the qualifying rounds, but I'm not sure whether Virgil van Dijk, I think his, his main player at, at the heart of his defence, yeah. would really, really... is really, really comfortable playing with three at the back. I'm not sure about that. So that is something that we should look out for. And not to forget Memphis Depay, who has been the top scorer, I think. 
I think, if I'm yeah, not mistaken. Yeah, but Depay's not really getting any minutes on the club level. So I think he, he loves playing for Netherlands because it's his time to shine, yeah. right? And to, to see him, I think, really shine playing that number nine role or that, that false nine role, I think it's great because we, we, we've known Depay. Like, Nick known Depay has since his United days when he was playing <laughs> down the wing. Hey, what right? are you hinting at? Eh? <laughs> Who ate all the pies? <laughs> Who ate all the pies? <laughs> No, it's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting for Netherlands. But I think if you have a look at the other the other teams in this group as well. Um, let's put our hands up. I think it's gonna it's gonna be quite disappointing for mm. Qatar. Yeah, let's face yeah. it. Yeah. Okay, but I think Senegal is gonna be really interesting as well because I mean they've done so well. At Afcon, mm. um, Sadio Mane is gonna be going. Um, obviously, that was the biggest question mark, right? Is Sadio Mane is gonna be part of the Senegal team. He is, yeah. um, and even though the likes of Khalidou Koulibaly is not on form, Edouard Mendy is not on form. I think they can look for a lot of players when I speak to them whenever they don't do well on a club level or on a domestic level they look forward to these international competitions even more because it's to them it's a bit of like a, a relief you know I can get away from all these drama mm. at the club level focusing on 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 what they're going to do in the World Cup so I think Senegal my my prediction as a team that might overachieve would be Senegal I don't mm. know about you guys I think so I think I think they will accompany Netherlands to the next round. And yeah. I think Senegal is the most dangerous on the counter, I guess, because they have um, Ismail Saar on the right and mm. Sadio Mane on the left. So on the break, I'm pretty sure they can they can beat the opponents on the on the counter, especially 1v1. So I think most goals, I think their goals are coming from the, from the flanks. Mm. Yeah, I, I think uh, it, it's a pretty straightforward group in terms of who's going to advance out of uh, the group stage into the last, uh, into the knockout round. Uh, but yeah, you, you mentioned, Faisal, that there's a record. South Africa is the only host nation uh, to not make it out of the group stage. I think this time, unfortunately, Qatar <laughs> is going to be one of them as well. I tell you what, if Qatar does make it out of group stage, they would be the biggest overachievers. Yeah, yeah true. Definitely, Because definitely, yeah. then that would mean that, you know, either one of the Netherlands or, or Senegal maybe d didn't yeah. live up to expectations, yeah. But uh, it's so interesting because international tournaments always give us really interesting upsets as well. We look at the last major tournament, the Euros, the way France was knocked out, yeah. the way yeah. Netherlands mm -hmm. was knocked out. So wouldn't be too surprised, but um, for Ecuador to knock either one of these two giants in Senegal and Netherlands, that would be probably the, the a bigger shout <laughs> than we, we all should be making. <laughs> Let's move on to England. Uh, they're in Group B alongside Wales, USC and Iran. Uh, what do you think? Can they finish top of their group before eventually crashing out in the quarterfinals <laughs> as per Alan Shearer? <laughs> uh, look, on paper, you have to see England and Wales making it, making it out of this group. Uh, they are looking two of the strongest teams in, in this group. Mm. Uh, although if you remember, the USA once uh, drew with England, right? Yeah. Was it mm. the 2010 World Cup when... It was. Who was Robert the Robert Green. Rob Green <laughs> and that blunder. <laughs> yes. So, like, like Michelle was saying, in a big tournament like this, you never know. You know, it, it, teams do spring a surprise uh, every now and then. But yeah, England, I think... Definitely favourites to make it out, but um, beyond that is another story altogether. Their form since making the final of, of uh, the Euros has been poor. Uh, they lost to Italy and Hungary in the Nations League. Uh, and, and you mentioned Shearer's assessment of, mm. of England's chances, right? He said that they will likely not make it uh, out of the quarters. He said it's because of their defence. And Maguire. <laughs> well, well, it's easy to blame just Harry Maguire alone, but defense has been England's weakest area, 
right? Which because, is interesting because they play such a pragmatic style. And yeah, defenses is where they are. And, and yeah. you look, look at the attackers, and they've got a very impressive, impressive list of attackers mm-hmm. there. But yeah, their defense is the weakest uh, 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 area, uh, and, and they just don't have that one single player who's like this this dependable mm. rock, you know, in in defense. Like you, you mentioned Van Dyke, even though he's not had the best season mm-hmm. with Liverpool, he is still the Netherlands, you know, that, that standout defensive performer. England don't seem to have that. Well, do you think it was a mistake not to take Fakayo Tomori? <sighs> oh. <laughs> okay, I mean, back, back, you, to, the, back, back to the Tomori question again, answer, right? Yeah. Um, I think, uh, oh, what's his name? Gareth Southgate has, the play, has his players that he's, comfortable with. Yeah. He's a loyalist. He's a loyalist. Yeah. He's he's got his his group and and uh he he's comfortable with that group. Unfortunately, Maguire happens to be one of those <laughs> people in there. Um but yeah, if they do make it out of, of of the group stage, which I think they will, they'll start coming up against some very dominant strikers when mm-hmm. once you start going up against those quote unquote bigger teams, right? Mm-hmm. And that's where they're gonna get caught out. See, I don't think Group B is as straightforward as what people think it is, because um even though yes, obviously England is mm-hmm. the favorite to top the group, right? But actually Group B features for top twenty five FIFA mm-hmm. ranking actually. So stats. Stats <laughs> stats stats and facts. I mean Iran under Carlos Queros um has looked pretty decent. I think mm-hmm. they're so comfortable with Carlos Queros that, you know, Iran can actually put up a fight. USA, on the other hand, um, I think average youngest or one of the youngest mm-hmm. teams, right, in the tournament. So they've got a certain ball of energy as well. Uh, Wales, um, you, already, you always know what you're going to get with Wales. Honestly, just get it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we said last week that even if he's just a disembodied talking head, Gareth Bale will be in the squad he will play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and probably still score a goal here and there, you know. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, if he's not playing golf, <laughs> yeah, England Wales is going to be a very intense match because when you look at the teams within the UK yeah. or within mm-hmm. Great Britain, mm-hmm. I, I I spoke to um I spoke to Matt Jarvis a couple of weeks ago. He says for some reason, teams like Wales, teams like Scotland, um, they love going out against England because they love hating on England <laughs> so much. Well, on the other hand, England don't feel the same way about Wales or Scotland. I mean, Scotland did, had a great performance against England in the Euros when it, I think it was a nil-nil draw, wasn't it? I think it was, yeah. Yeah, it was really good on Scotland's end. So, Wales, you would be surprised, might be able to pull out something against England because they feel so crazily patriotic <laughs> about being Welsh and I hate the English so much and this is not coming out of my mouth by the way this is coming from people who are, who are actually Welsh and people who are actually English so that's going to be a very interesting matchup I feel and I think um, whether whether England will top the group and make it to the next round I think it, it, it depends on the match against the US team because I, I, I've read somewhere I've heard somewhere that the uh, England has have never beaten the Americans in the World Cup. <laughs> oh wow! So I I think I've heard it somewhere. So um, I think Clint Dempsey gave some sticks to Micah Richards on on one on one of the shows. So uh, that is an interesting match. And to to come back to Nick's point when when Rob Green made that blunder, mm-hmm. right? So his history of not getting all three points against this, against the US are there. So I'm, I won't be shocked if it it repeats itself again. Not bad for soccer players. Soccer. <laughs> <laughs> But to be fair, I read somewhere that actually soccer is the right 
term. Um, yeah, term, yeah. Term, yeah. Faisal yeah. was telling us about that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's only hated because it's like considered upper class. It's it, basically it's. Uh, oh, we it's don't a combining like posh people. We don't like posh football. <laughs> yeah. We like the scrappy football. Yeah. You, you know how the upper class toffs like to mix their words together. Soccer comes from association, so- association yeah. football, association, association, a suck, a suck, soccer, soccer, soccer. <laughs> basically, that's it. And uh, the working class hate it because it was the Toffs who named it. <laughs> mm. Okay, uh, enough useless trivia. Group C uh, has Argentina, Saudi Arabia, Mexico and Poland. It's pretty much cut and dry. Let's move on to Group D. Uh, we have defending champions France up against uh, Australia, Denmark and Tunisia. I'm sure a lot of people will be rooting for Denmark, uh, especially Christian Eriksen after his cardiac arrest in the Euros. Uh, meanwhile, France are the defending champions, as I mentioned. Can they successfully defend it and become one of I think just three countries to win it back to back. Um, the issue with France is let's not. I mean, there's no question about their quality, right? Um, even though I think they maybe they they have they're they're going to this World Cup without the likes of Paul Pogba and Golo Kante, yeah. mm-hmm. who's been very much responsible in the successes in their last few major tournaments. So that's a big question mark. Mm-hmm. But then you'll have the likes of Chumeni and all that in there. So, but the biggest question for France is their tendency to self-implode. <laughs> Especially when there is a lot of expectations on them. <laughs> the, the amount of egos in this <laughs> side, how is Didier Deschamps going to manage that? That's the bigger question. Benzema coming in this time round as well. He missed out on the last World Cup. Yeah. Um, if France fail and they, they don't meet expectations it will be their own fault. Mm. It's not going to be because of anybody else because this group is going to be so difficult to manage. And and if you look at historically, um, whether they're going to break the duck on this trend because it seems to be a trend that yeah. every single one of the champions eventually mm. exit mm-hmm. in the group stage, right? More the curse, often than the not. winner's curse. <laughs> yeah, the winner's curse, right? So we'll see if they, they actually do. But they, are, they do have a history of collapsing on the international stage. So... Mm-hmm. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, I think the the point that Michelle pointed out, without Kante, I think that's the biggest loss for France because Kante was massive, monumental during their their twenty eighteen run to the to to win the tournament, right? So, without Kante, uh, Pogba has been in and out, <laughs> regardless internationally or at, at club level. But yeah. I think hey, Kante, Kante, I thought I thought we don't say the p word here. <laughs> <laughs> So missing Kante, I think that that will hurt France more. Mm. Yeah, and and Benzema is not exactly a hundred percent fit as well, is he? Yeah. Right, Be- because of so, that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So and and they've been relying on on not just France but but uh, Real as well. You know, he's always the the, the focal point of the attack, mm-hmm. and if he's not a hundred percent. Then it's going to fall on uh, who else have they got? The, they've got Griezmann. Griezmann they've brought yeah. Griezmann along. Mbappe they've got uh, yeah, year, Mbappe so and Giroud yeah. as well. So, yeah. yeah to be it, fair, they've got, they have one of the best backup strikers in the world in Giroud. So, you know. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully, they, they make it through. <laughs> now, Group E is uh, one that could be considered the group of death or the closest thing to a group of death in Qatar. Maybe the uh, group of uh, annoying backage that you can't just quite reach, you know. So there's Germany, Spain, uh, Japan and Costa Rica. Uh, maybe it's the group of death for just Japan and Costa Rica. <laughs> <laughs> I love the way you put it. I love the way you put it. But Germany is going to be, um, I mean, Hansi Flick has really changed the way um, Germany is set up and the way Germany is played as well. But 
I, I don't know. Um, I was talking to a, a German friend. <laughs> I seem to have a lot of friends. Big <laughs> 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 friend, you know, imaginary friends. I keep coming out of these random people in my head. I was speaking to a German friend and he actually genuinely has concerns uh, with the Germany squad because defensively, they haven't got the best picks um, mm-hmm. in the world. That's where they might falter as well for Germany. And also, they don't have the most clinical goal scorers in the world. They haven't got a prolific, like yeah. a very prolific player at yeah, the moment. Yeah, so basically, they don't have Germany. They don't have what makes Germany, Germany. Yeah. <laughs> but to be fair, in 2014, when they, they won it in 2014, yeah. right? Yeah. They weren't, they weren't prolific players mm. either. They had, you have a decent squad. You have a decent amount of players. But what, what helped them in 2014 was the amount of teamwork mm-hmm. that they had mm-hmm. and how they functioned together so well. So there's always Germany's upper hand over mm. every other squad in the world. They don't have your Kylian Mbappes. They don't have your Lionel Messi's and things like that, right? So maybe that is, that is their, their sort of, um, go to going into this one. But it is, I would actually consider this, yeah, I would say this is possibly the closest to a group of death there is in mm-hmm. terms of Group E. Uh, one thing's for su- for sure though, even if Japan get kicked out of the group stage, I'm sure they'll stay all the way until after the final just to clean up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh no, I love that. I, I absolutely love that. Uh, talking about Japan, I don't think Okay, we've. I think all of us agree that it's going to be J- German and Spain, right, going yep. to the next round. And looking at Japan and what's the other team? Costa Rica. Costa Rica. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys. Group I, of death, Konona. <laughs> I don't think uh, both these teams have enough goals in them during the qualifiers. And okay, you guys are facing a much more weaker teams, right, during the qualifiers, and you can't even score that much of a goal there. Hmm. What makes you think that you can score more goals in the in the tournament itself? So it's going to be very very difficult for Japan and. Germany is gonna. My prediction is Germany is gonna top the group, and Spain will Spain. come up second. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think anyone will expect any different than that. Yeah. To be honest, you might swap maybe you know Germany and Spain. You might swap positions, yeah. but who knows, yeah. right? But yeah, I don't think anyone expect anything more different than that. Group F has the uh, 2018 runners-up Croatia up against Belgium, Canada and Morocco. Uh, as for Group G, we have Brazil, Serbia, Switzerland, Cameroon. Finally, in Group H, there's Portugal, Ghana, Uruguay and South Korea. I'm sure we'll talk about Portugal and Cristiano Ronaldo <laughs> specifically in more detail in a few minutes. Uh, of these three groups, uh, what do you guys have to say? I mean, Brazil, obviously one of the bigger favourites. Mm-hmm. I think the favourites for this tournament, Brazil, Argentina, France, mm-hmm. right? Personally, I know everyone's always going to expect Brazil to, to reach a certain level. There's always so much pressure on Brazil. I don't actually think they're going to do too well. This time round. This time mm-hmm. round. Even though I know they are hands down the favourite, but there is just so much pressure on Brazil at the moment to perform. Um I think they're going to go pretty decent. I think, obviously, at least quarterfinal, semifinal. Mm. But I don't think they're actually going to go all the way to the final. My, I don't know what your predictions were. I'm sure you guys talked about it before. Yeah, but I don't uh, know what your predictions were for the final. My guess is the same as you. I th- do think that Brazil will go deep in the tournament. But I won't count out Argentina and Portugal, though. I, I, I don't know. This Portugal side, even though Ronaldo is on the decline, is over the hill, but mm. without Jota as well. But I still think that they are one of the dark horses of the tournament and I won't be surprised if they too are through to do the semis or quarters. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Well, well, I don't know what were your predictions. Por- Look, I-, I think there's a bit more uncertainty in, in Group H. Portugal, Ghana, Uruguay, South Korea than there actually is in 
Germany and Spain's mm. group because, like you said, Portugal, yeah, they are the favourites to make uh, the knockout round. Uruguay are also tough opponents. Yeah. Uh, South Korea, extremely hard-working side, cannot be ruled out. Ghana, physical, hard to break down. So, um, any one of these can snatch a point here and there and, and sort of like upset the balance, yeah. you know. So, I, I think this one is a little bit more unpredictable, if you ask me. Oh. Yeah, no, I think I agree with that. I think I agree with with uh, uh, what you say about Group H being a little bit unpredictable. I mean, just look at that Uruguay squad. I'm just going to bring up the um, the squad for Uruguay. Luis Suarez alongside mm-hmm. Darwin Nunez. How mm-hmm. vicious that would <laughs> <Right>? be! <laughs> We've got two agents of chaos. I know. I'm excited to watch that. Okay, well, we really mentioned who will win it personally. I've got a gut feeling that it's going to be Argentina. Okay. I don't know. Maybe it's because of the minor fact they won the Copa. <laughs> At the Copa. No, 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 no. no, 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 no. I, I, I was actually going for Argentina. Also, because I like the ro- romantic aspect of Lionel Messi. Messi. Yeah, Final you know. World Cup, yeah. Again, I'm a pretty romantic person. So that's kind of, not because of any basic of logic. Obviously, Argentina's a really good side. But I just really like Messi to get something, you know, before before his his career starts going down the hill. Yeah. Not that it's, it's any time soon because he seems to be still keeping up pretty decently so now let's move on to the uh, Premier League uh, Arsenal opened up a five point gap at the top of the standings after they beat Wolves 2-0 uh, while second placed Man City suffered only their second defeat of the season losing 2-1 to Brentford mm, I'm happy with Arsenal's results <laughs> of course you are of course you are and for Odegaard to score both of the goals, I think, like I, I've said this many, many times in this podcast, right? Mm-hmm. I think Odegaard, Saka, uh, Martinelli, they have this, these young players are, I think, getting the, getting the miles in and getting the experience now. So they are performing better than last season. I really, really like to see Odegaard uh, scoring goals, performing very well, because he's had a, he didn't really play, right, in Real Madrid. So that was a, that, there was a lot of expectations for him at Real Madrid, yeah. which is one of the reasons why he didn't do so well, and he was he was crumbling under that pressure a little bit. So I think he came to Arsenal with a bit of relief, yeah, as well um, to to just kind of get away from it all. I personally, I was, I I thought his first season at Arsenal wasn't the best. Wasn't the best. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't the, the best. best. But I think this season he's really stepped up as a big leader in that dressing room. But when I look at this Arsenal side. Um, Historically, any team that is at the top of the table come Christmas will eventually win the league, unless you're Liverpool. They're the only ones I think that actually eventually, quite a couple of times, I think two or three times, they were top of the league at Christmas and eventually didn't win um, the Premier League. My concern for for Arsenal well, over Manchester City is if you just kind of put these two next to each other, do, do you feel that Arsenal have the the depth? in quality, the squad depth, to be able to challenge. Once you come back from the World Cup, that's going to be a very packed stretch. We talk about it being packed heading into Mm -hmm. the World Cup. But I think after the World Cup is actually even more important. Because if there's going to be any injuries or anything that happens, Mm -hmm. it's going to be after the World Cup. It's not going to be before. I don't think Arsenal have the squad depth that they needed to win the title. But I'm pretty sure they can put up a fight against City. And City has has lost two games, right, this season. So... We almost don't see this happening to City. Um, and back to Odegaard, I think it helps him that he's playing with uh, the players around his age. So there's no pressure. I think there's no there's no uh, extra pressure from the senior players and whatnot. And he he can conduct his team. He can he's the captain, right? Yeah. So I think it's great for him. But to uh, to to talk about your point, Demshell, 
I think fatigue will play a big part. And mm. like I said, they are still a young team. I don't think, I don't think they they have the legs to go all the way to play what forty fifty games is, uh, per season. Uh, that might be the downfall for Arsenal. Like like how Arsenal used to be. They they'll their form will plummet once March comes in, right? From March till May. So doing an Arsenal, doing an Arsenal, <laughs> yeah, doing an Arsenal swap. But I hope, I really, really hope that they'll make it to the Champions League next so season. The problem is, um, for this such an opportunity to win the Premier League, it's so rare these days because of the likes of Liverpool and Man City. Yeah. You have a season now. Liverpool is on. Well, they are where they are. Let's not talk about that. <laughs> um, Manchester City. Still doing really good, but faltering just a tiny bit. So this is such a rare season whereby you have this rare opportunity to win the Premier League. Yeah. And if you don't, and I understand nobody expected Arsenal to win the exactly. Premier League. Nobody at all. So if they did, it would be fantastic. If they don't, it still be fantastic. But such an opportunity don't happen very often. Mm. If Arsenal end up being second, which is a great achievement this season, you come into next season, everyone's expecting Arsenal to be up there. Yeah. Then that mm-hmm. whole thing switches, exactly. the dynamic switches yeah. already. So this is Arsenal's best ever opportunity. Wow. Yeah, so the, the, the pressure is not not so much. Yeah, it's not so much there. Compared to next season, they're going to come in. Yeah. Everyone wants to be like, "Oh, Arsenal's one of the favourites." Blah blah blah. This season, and, the stars and, are aligned for <laughs> Arsenal. And and to expand a little bit on that, uh, City have been playing well, and we've mentioned yeah. this many many times. City have played well, and yet somehow they find themselves. With two defeats, yeah. even Newcastle have not lost twice <laughs> this season, right? <laughs> Newcastle. So, uh, I don't know. You want to call it a blip? Maybe it's a blip because we know the quality is there. But like Michelle said, you know, it, it, it's almost as if things are just falling into place yeah. for for us. But do you th- Michelle, do you think that these results are happening because of players saving their legs for the World Cup? Oh, that's that's a very tricky question because when you speak to the players, obviously they're going to say no. Of course, yeah. <laughs> but I have, I have um, spoken to some that will say it is. You don't do it intentionally, but sometimes it is yeah. in the back of yeah, your it, mind. Yeah, it, is. it is in the back of your mind, but also that's also a bad thing. For example, if it's in the back of your mind, you're thinking, "Oh, should I go in for this fifty-fifty challenge?" Mm-hmm. And you don't. That actually risks you of injury even more. See, that's the other thing as well So I think it it plays on their mind subconsciously But I don't think anyone really turns around and says Oh no, I'm not going to go in for this challenge Because then you you leave yourself um, at an even bigger risk When you don't go all the way in And you maybe, at the last minute, maybe retract a little bit bit, Or you go back a little bit You actually risk yourself even more So who knows, who knows (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but that, that's the problem when you have the World Cup smack the middle of a season. Exactly. You know? yeah. It's going to be interesting because uh, the fact that it's in the middle of the season, it poses a lot of problems for people who play in European domestic leagues or a lot mm-hmm. of leagues that run mm-hmm. from, from, from uh, the fall or summer to spring. When actually there are so many parts of the world that play by calendar year. Yes. So they're very used to this. Yeah. They're very used to having to... to be playing at this point of time after a long season mm-hmm. as well. So there are a lot of advantages and disadvantages based on where you're based at domestically. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it is in the middle of the season, they get one week one week off to do their yeah. training camp. Yeah. Unheard of, completely unheard of, particularly for the bigger teams like your Germany, mm-hmm. your England and all that, where majority of the players are playing in yeah. Europe, right? Mm-hmm. One week as a training camp. And then you don't you don't have time to recover, you don't have time to rest and No. It's no. Yeah. Um 
Where were we again? Okay. Yes. <laughs> Third and we fourth. Seem, we seem to somehow went, went back to the World Cup. There you go. Uh, Newcastle and Spurs round up the top four. Newcastle a third after beating Chelsea 1-0. Uh, Spurs 4-3 victory over Leeds. Man United 2-1 win away at Fulham. Their fifth. But the attention is now on our buddy from Portugal, Ronaldo. <laughs> and him being Ronaldo. Uh, you know... Um, let me just put on some sad music here because this is what he's saying. Eh? Uh, he says he felt betrayed by Eric Ten Hag and the club. Uh, the club never wanted him and uh, they've not progressed since Alex Ferguson was in charge. Now, um... I'm sure nobody can see this visually, but I'm playing like a really tiny violin. The world's tiniest like, violin. Tiny violin here. Bro, yeah. please. Yeah, it's funny that he name-dropped Alex Ferguson because if he were to have said all of that when Fergie was still in charge, he would have been sacked. Kicked out the next day. I mean, look Roy at Roy Keane. Keane. exactly. Yeah. And, and what Roy Keane said wasn't even as damaging as what Ronaldo is saying. Yeah. And yeah. I tell you what, that wasn't the worst part of the quote. The worst part of the quote to me was how salty he was on Wayne Rooney. Like, bro, what you attack how someone looks, huh? Jealous of how good looking he is. Hello. Like, that's literally the last thing you should... Why? How? How did Wayne Rennie's looks come into the question? I have no idea. But I'm so disappointed. I am honestly so disappointed when the team has had such a good win over uh, Fulham. I say good, but, you know, Fulham's been doing really well this season, yeah. by the way, you know. And the the first sort of kickoff of the season was after when Manchester United beat Spurs, right? And then he mm. went down the tunnel. Turns out he didn't want to come on as a substitute, blah, blah, blah. As as a as a huge supporter of Cristiano, and I've always been on the debate of Cristiano over Lionel Messi. Okay, mm-hmm. partially because there is some bias to that. Now I'm like, nope, sorry, bro. <laughs> Completely lost my respect. That is utterly disappointing. And I do see some of the reasons why he's saying the things he's saying. And sure, there's always multiple sides to a story, right? Yeah. And he's not. The club is not 100% guilty. Ten Hag is not 100% guilty. And neither is Cristiano 100% guilty. Let's put it at that. Mm-hmm. But for you to come out in an interview mm-hmm. in the middle of the season, I know you're going to go for a break for the World Cup break, right? You come up... This would not have been accepted on any levels. This is not professional. It wasn't professional when you went down the tunnel. It's not professional for you to be having this interview. When the club is doing pretty decent... Why are you making it about you? But again, yeah. with Cristiano, we know it's going to be It's always about him. It's yeah. always going to make it about him. <laughs> Anyways, I should stop before I actually flip this table. Yeah, it's a, it's a good point that, that in a situation like this, there's nobody who's like, it's not 100% anybody, yeah, yeah. anybody's fault. But the number one rule is you don't air your dirty laundry yeah. in public. You know, you, whatever issues you want to deal with, you deal with on your own. If you want to ask for a transfer, you ask for a transfer. You, you don't, go out in the media and slam. Because this is what he did. It's slamming. He said Ten Hag betrayed him. Uh, other figures at the club betrayed him. Ralph Ronnie, never heard Ralph of him. Ralph Ralph, like, oh, well, yeah. Can I play the sad <laughs> music again? Not yeah. even a coach. What's what, he said, what he said about Ralph Ronnie. Yeah. Um, you are still, at the end of the day, you are being paid by the club. And obviously, we're not saying we should Being dictate. handsome, being paid yeah, handsomely. Handsomely. Not saying that, you know, just because someone pay you, they can dictate your entire life yeah. 100%. But there's but a line. You are you're not just you biting cross. the hand that feeds you. You're literally ripping off the entire <laughs> arm. But but this this reeks because we know he tried to leave in, in yeah, the summer and it, it didn't work out. It reeks of him like this is his attempt to sever ties to make it so that the club has no choice but to get rid of him. It in in 
January or worst case. I think they wanted to, they just wasn't the right offer. That's the thing, right? Yeah. Mm. So now, I think they're in a position where a right offer, not they have to get rid of him. Mm. Mm. What's going to happen when he goes to camp for Portugal and meet Bruno Fernandes there? What are they going to talk about? (laughs) You know? How how is that dynamic going to work? And I'm sure Bruno will back his teammate to some level, but yeah. we have seen Bruno's passion for the club. He yeah. is he he loves Manchester United. Let's face it. Whether you know whether it's a deep dying love, we don't know that. But he, we can, we have seen him before fighting for the club. So how is that going to conversation going to go down when they go to camp this week? This week? Yeah, yeah this, this week. week yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Drama. Elsewhere, Liverpool 3-1 win over Southampton with uh, agent of chaos Darwin Nunez uh, scoring a brace. Uh, th- literally, uh, I think in his birth certificate, his name is D- agent of chaos. <laughs> uh, Aston Villa uh, beat Brighton 2-1, Nottingham Forest pipped Crystal Palace 1-0. Leicester had a wonderful 2-0 win over <laughs> West Ham. Great characters, those guys. Uh, Bournemouth beat Everton 3-0. Finally, huge shout out to George Russell. Shout! Get it? Shout, shout, right. shout out. I'm going to see this now on television. Everyone's going to watch him and be like, what? So he won both the sprint and main races for the Brazil Grand Prix, the first victories for a Mercedes this season. Lewis Hamilton finished the main race in second place ahead of Ferrari's Carlos Sainz. And, and, and one race remaining mm-hmm. for Hamilton to keep his record of having won at least one race this season since his debut. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay, I guess that wraps it up for today's episode of Podball. Michelle, before we uh, unchain you from this, uh, <laughs> from the seat and let I'm you go... I'm voluntarily chained, don't worry. I'm uh, voluntarily Is that something that you would like to share with our listeners? Yes, I think we're so excited for the World Cup that's coming up um, in Qatar, regardless of the insert static noise <laughs> but of course we, we we are bringing down in the studio with us uh, welcoming to Malaysia all the way to Malaysia we've got a lot of pundits coming down with the likes of Kira Dai Tim Sherwood we've had um, Hirelo Gomez coming down as mm. well um, I'm sure you guys w- would have heard David James is still coming down again he's pretty much like a quarter Malaysian at this point <laughs> uh, but yes we're going to be showing all of the matches all 64 matches will be live they're all in 4K um, HDR but I do recommend um, if you're a big big um, um, football fan and you love stats check out the Astro Go app because we actually have interactive stats we have live stats as well right there so you can have your little iPad with the Astro Go app you can have your television screen where you, I'm sure you're going to have big screens to watch the game right because everyone will like that um, have have the Astro Go app where you have all the stats interactive features blah 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 done plug there you go <laughs> All right, before we go, I just want to remind you to take care of yourself both physically and mentally. Treat yourself with love, kindness and respect. You are awesome. You are worth it. You definitely make the world a better place. I am Faisal American. I am Karami Kamil. I'm Michelle Lee. <laughs> and I'm Nicholas John. <laughs> <laughs>